recreating a bunch of Bible stories as video games with various levels could be a lot. Oh of fun. man, that would be, be funny. Fun. So if anyone knows, what comes to mind? What comes to mind is like God, uh, Abram, Abram, and Sarah. He's like, oh, that's not my wife. That's my sister. Or like <laughs> I, all the ones that we've talked about. And it's like, I feel like you just like, talked about an anime game. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. my sister. <laughs> You got to level up your speech craft so you can lie better. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And, and we're Jesse. joined by my buddy, Jesse. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Good to have you back, man. Yeah, Always uh, a pleasure. Happy yeah, to I'm be pumped here. to have you back. When Casey mentioned you were joining us, I was very excited. I feel like it's been a while since I talked to you, and I figured it'd be, I could I could use another week off before talking to Jeremiah again, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah, the last time you were on, Jeremiah was here, too. Yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. Bogart, so no you know me. exactly why. You could use a break. Yeah. You've had, I mean, you've had a long one. How's it been? It's been good. Yeah, uh, that's what I thought. I live in the same place, so <laughs> do the same job. It's all the same. So if you didn't catch that episode, I mean, it was a while ago. It was, it was like it was first a year, year ago. we were doing this. But uh, Jesse and I are like friends from, well, we met when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah, in Sunday school, right? Yeah, pretty much the only two people there that were the same age. So, you know, we hit it off as besties. Oh, yeah. You had no choice but to be friends yeah. because it was that or just be desperate and lonely forever. Yeah. <laughs> we're both ACE graduates. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I didn't think we were going to bring all this up. Yeah. yeah. It's an embarrassing history. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many people that are with us now listen to like some of the old stuff. But basically, we went to this tiny little Christian school that like at its peak while I was there, it had like 80 or 90 kids. Yeah, K it was K, yeah, K through 12. <laughs> I went there K through 12. And I want to say the most I ever even saw was like 120. Like there was still not a lot of kids. And that so was that like was packed before that my packed. time then. Yeah. Yeah, because it just kind of like bled itself dry from there. Pretty much when I started going there, it started drying up on the vine. Yeah. What did we? How many people were in our school when we when we graduated? Like forty kids or something like that. Yeah, it was it like was somewhere in the forties. I remember there was like a couple of years where we had they had meetings at the church to see if we would even keep the school open. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yep. Uh, yeah, like. Our graduating class had like eight people in it. Yeah. So when you've got 40 some students, K through 12, and eight of them are all leaving at the same time, everybody's kind of like looking at their feet going, uh, well, is this God's will after all? Right. <laughs> it's such a small school. I mean, it's Bible based. So in, uh, they carried that tradition on with like very biblical forms of dating, which was like your half sister and your cousin and things like that. Right. Yeah. Just a lot of options. Right. <laughs> Yep. Well, it was cool. also in Fallerville, which is, you know, it's par for the course there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's hilarious was... when you think about the fact that, like, no one dated anyone while we were there. There was, like, 
two of the yeah. girls that were about our age had, I think have boyfriends at different points, but like none of the rest of us dated anybody during high school, like in the school or outside the school. Right. Yeah. It's so strange. It is really, well, I mean, there, there were no options. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, so joke, I, it's like, it could, no options. But when you have no options, suddenly things that wouldn't normally be options seem like options. Well, no. But the ones <laughs> that you think might be options are off limits because that's what they want. So, okay. <laughs> so the no ones options. who actually were desirable were off limits. Like, why were they off limits? They were dating somebody or they uh, were too young they were the or too old? Kids and they weren't into it. <laughs> okay. Everybody was just, it was like, there was just so, like, we didn't go through like the true love waits thing officially, but there was like so much of this, like, well, why would you date anyone yeah. during high school? Like, cause you're going to go to college and you can't get married until like you're done with college. So if you date anyone right now, you're basically just like setting yourself up to like ruin your purity. Yeah, so <laughs> logically, yeah, so nobody, I think everybody wanted to date, people but like nobody everybody felt bad that they wanted to <laughs> pretty much your yeah, your yeah. version of dating was like my equivalent of like oh, having a condom on you before you were married it was like you're setting yourself <laughs> up to sin pretty much yeah yeah it really like i've always said this about the like our school is that when nobody's doing anything bad like just the the it's all like bad is relative. So like oh, yeah. smaller things become like, you know, of deal. more and more importance. So like everything scales that way. Like if nobody's doing drugs or getting drunk in the school, then like somebody not wanting to tuck their shirt in <laughs> then becomes like the, I'm really concerned about the direction that so-and-so is headed. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> Anyone who makes any, alternative style choice at all just to stand out and not just blend in like a complete normie like everyone yeah, yeah. else well, it's like you have to worry about and everyone throws up an ejaculatory prayer for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did you guys see that i can't I, you saw it right casey i uh, saw yeah i saw the post a, it took me a minute to figure out what that was even talking about <laughs> yeah. i did not see that. okay i okay, wanted to talk about it just, for a second uh because is it instagram this is yeah yeah this is on wikipedia it's a oh okay article for ejaculatory <laughs> prayer and it says uh in christian piety an ejaculation sometimes known as an ejaculatory prayer or aspiration is a short prayer in which the mind is directed to god on any emergency a sigh a devout aspiration a holy ejaculation will often pierce the sky and reach the ear of omnipotence than a long set exercise of prayer. Would, you know, uh, if this if this had been common lingo when we were growing up, it would have been a lot easier to not get caught. <laughs> 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 they get, I got to go through the second paragraph because it's just, I can't, I honestly can't tell if some dickhead like us like wrote this. And it's right. just it feels just like it. Staying. Like but it's a joke. There's too many footnotes though, where you're like, <laughs> this is too well cited to be I mean, that is like a real conspiracy and it's the best joke ever. But uh within Roman Catholicism, some common ejaculations include the Jesus prayer, 
the Fatima <laughs> prayer of the Holy Rosary. Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Ironically. Uh, yeah, and, that, this has to be on purpose. <laughs> and eternal rest. Uh, In Methodism, some common ejaculations include praise the Lord, <laughs> hallelujah, and amen. I just... I. <laughs> Others include... It's a big, big house by audio. Adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. God. Absolution includes the pastor's offering ejaculatory prayers after penitents recite <laughs> the confetier. I don't know what that means. Either way, I, I loved it. And uh, it seems like a lot of people did too. Cause it's just, I just, I, I really, need to look into it more to see if someone really did write this jokingly, but it is well cited. Um, so I don't know. I guess we've, we all thought we ejaculated a lot when we were younger, <laughs> but incidentally, every ejaculation was followed by another ejaculation. Yeah. It's the same. It was twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> God, forgive me. <laughs> okay i was thinking about this today um because you know jesse and i did so many of but what were you ever in any christmas plays you're talking to sam or me uh, sam me. oh i know no, you no, were. No, no sorry i should i, I didn't respond you. Are you <laughs> yeah um christmas plays no the only i not that i recall the only plays i can recall doing like weren't really plays but i did the vbs skits when i was in high school for like the younger kids and oof those were embarrassing but i don't think i did christmas plays uh unless you count me being an angel in kindergarten man so okay but do you remember any of the vbs skits that you did yeah it's hard to recall like some of the themes it really actually it's I would have thought I remembered it well until now where I'm trying to recall it, but <laughs> it, it had to have been like related to time travel um, in archaeology. <laughs> like you're an archaeologist. It's like Christian archaeologists who time travel back or something like that. And then they see some biblical story, kind of like those it's old like, cartoon movies that we watched with those kids. Got like stuck Indiana in Jones. <laughs> It's like you, uh, you, you teleport in the skit. You teleport back in time with an AR-15 to save Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that was it's it. like it's like the butterfly effect, but it's the Bobert effect. Yeah, <laughs> has somebody made that? That has to be it. That needs to be something. I'd watch it. I'd, I'd definitely play it if it was a video game. Yeah. Oh my god. The the Bobert effect coming to PS2. <laughs> Just like the uh, what was the one the game we were talking about in the uh, Discord was a Left Behind the Left Behind series oh, was made God. into a video game series. I can't even yeah. do that. So cool. How, is that new or is that old? No, old, 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 old. Um, okay. I remember when it came out a little bit. Um, old PC game. It's like a real time strategy game, and you know you would. Um, but it was uh, there was a lot of controversy around it because. You know, it was like the Christians, the atheists, and then like some neutral faction, uh, also known as the lukewarm faction. And uh, no, I don't think that's true. The green but party. They would, um, they, yeah, like the Christians would like, if you did, if people didn't convert, you would kill them and shit like that. And that didn't go over super well. <laughs> that's funny. 
Yeah, yeah I, I remember mean, playing the old like to play it. That would be pretty funny. I remember playing the old like NES Bible games. Do you remember yeah. those? Like they'd have them at the family Christian bookstore. <laughs> Dude, the the Noah's Ark game was so yeah. hard. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I don't think I think it's impossible. I think it is. It's that, so difficult. I listened to a podcast where they go they play like terrible games and they play that game in one of the episodes. <laughs> they complain about it. They just talk much of shit about it. That's I think I watched the angry video game nerd at one point do like a a playthrough of those because there was that one and then there was what Moses. Yeah, there was a Moses one. There was a Joshua one. Oh, that must like, have been like, brutal. You like threw music notes at people and it, like made them pray or something like that. That was that's, that's how you defeated yeah. them. The God, Moses one, bad. you're driving a little wicker boat and you have to like dodge raw sewage in the <laughs> river like Frogger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> dude i i would love to play like a like a dynasty warrior style samson game though yeah 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 where he's just like ripping through crowds of philistines you're like upgrade <laughs> you got your jawbone of a donkey now <laughs> turn him inside out yeah this is what it would be you nice have to have to a paintball do... mode though yeah because you can't have blood i remember it with like video games yeah. for n64 it would be like I would, I would talk it up to my parents because I'm like, they I I couldn't play games with blood in it for a while and it right, was like, yeah. well you could turn you can turn off the blood uh, you can even do paintball mode and it's like you're just playing with paintball <laughs> guns it's cool and they're just like okay I feel like they just couldn't you're have talking cared about that Golden much Eye. yes that is yeah Golden Eye that's right but uh, going back though well so first actually uh, I feel like this is the time maybe chat gpt or whatever these ais could do it for you just ones that write code but i feel like now would be a, a fun time to know how to do because doing like those pixelated nes style games isn't probably overly difficult these days and uh just re recreating a bunch of bible stories as video games with various levels could be a lot oh of fun. man that would be, be funny fun. so if anyone knows what comes to mind what comes to mind is like God, uh, Abram, Abram and Sarah. He's like, oh, that's not my wife. That's my sister. Or like uh, <laughs> all the ones that we've talked about. And it's like, I feel like you just like, talked about an anime game. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that's my sister. <laughs> you got to level up your speech craft so you can lie better. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Even Adam and Eve, dude, just that story as a, uh, as a video game would be funny. That, I, but with, like Adam and Eve, but with BMX triple X graphics. Yeah. Yeah. And one, one of your like missions is just to name a bunch of animals and you get to type them all in <laughs> <laughs> the world's worst game, but it's like, they don't have the keyboard yet. So you just either press down or up to cycle through the entire alphabet. And then oh, you have to go God. down 26 times to get to lowercase letters. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, anyway, that should uh, be a thing. Your uh, Christmas pageant. Did you have a Christmas oh, pageant yeah. story like you wanted to get plays into? in general? Well, I was just trying to think of like all the different plays that we did over the years. Because you posted a picture in the Discord, yeah. of You and I in like cowboy gear. Yeah. <laughs> that was our junior. That was our was that our junior year or our senior year? That was junior year. I think so because I yeah. feel like I played an old man in the one our senior year. Yeah, I had a smaller part of the senior year too. But you you play you had a like you were a singing cowboy in the yeah uh, i i didn't like it 
<laughs> Do you remember what your song was? Oh, absolutely not. I couldn't. If you played it now, I would, I would not even reckon. I wouldn't think I had even heard it before. Um, ah. I I do remember though, for that place specifically, we bought some like toy guns to like wear because we're supposed to be cowboys, you know. And I sat in my room for like it must have been four or five hours just practicing spinning the guns so I could get it right <laughs> when we went on stage. <laughs> that is such a you thing to do. <laughs> The real Daniel Day-Lewis move of you. You walked around your house in character for weeks on end. Put put the whole get up on and just walk around with my guns. Pretty funny. I'm pretty sure my mom returned the pants that I wore for that play. She's like, don't get them dirty. I'm just going to take them back. He's like, who's going to wear white pants? Nobody. (laughs) Back to Mervyn's with them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then three years later, Showbread made a career out of it. Yep. Pretty much. So So I remember when I was in, it was before I moved to Michigan. So I would have been in like first grade, maybe. I was in this play at church. I don't think it was a Christmas one because it was Olympics themed. And I I wish I could remember how that ties into the gospel. (laughs) I just don't. But (laughs) I'm sure it was a stretch. Oh, guaranteed. Well, like, because so we were like not too far outside of Atlanta in 1996. They had the summer games in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I see so it was like leading that. up to that. Yeah, yeah. there's a connection there somewhere. Gold- so getting- I sang a song and I remember my solo. Yeah. Oh, Dude, my like, God. You can sing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, it was to. like, I really <laughs> fought hard for the part too because I was like, Cause it was like, you kind of had to sing it fast. It was almost like a rap, you know? So yeah. I was like, I want that part. I so I memorized it. I memorized it so good that it's still in there imprinted on the back of my eyelids. Okay. <laughs> so dude, I can't remember any. All right. So, okay. So here, here it goes. <laughs> All right. Skating races, hockey chases, basketball and track, tennis teams, balance beams, skiing back to back. Polo matches, baseball catches, volleyball and luge, triathlon, decathlon, horseshoes and canoes, discus throwing, robot roaming, swimming, sailing, skeet. The gymnastics are fantastic. Who can miss a meet? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Where's Jesus in all of this? You just, you just needed a beat behind that. <laughs> I like the part that ends with skeet. I wish it was like skeet, skeet, motherfucker. Is <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember my mom's birthday, but that's in there. <laughs> it's like it's April. How how old your parents? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know how old anybody I'm related to. Skating it. races, basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, have to like think back to the year that you were in that and subtract to get to like because no. something eventful happened it was like oh that was the same year i got that part was my mom's 35th birthday so it's, she's now she's everything relates back to that that moment in your history yeah it's I, your gonna, it's my 9-11 i have a sad story for you in 40 years when you're in an old folks home that's going to be the only thing that you keep repeating <laughs> over and over <laughs> george is a teacher <laughs> it's danger god that's true too man that's Someone it that's around. what you have to look forward to 
basketball races. Like, what is he saying? What is basketball races? <laughs> <laughs> the, the most annoying old man in the uh, in the kook's nest. You're gonna be like Salamanca from Breaking Bad, just flicking that bell, just singing it over and over again, repeating those lines. <laughs> He can't talk, but he can sing this song. It's like those people who like get their faces bashed in and like they can sing and run backwards, but they can't walk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, the, the, I feel like the Christmas play thing or the just plays in general and like a lot of the choir stuff and everything. It was like, there was nothing else to do like yeah there was was so few things to do that you wanted to do those things and then you always regretted like (laughs) saying you would do it oh yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely that's why i did vbs skits i'm like okay like some of my friends are doing it and it's something to do every day because it's summer and i'm homeschooled which means i don't i just stay home still like it (laughs) without (laughs) with even less to do uh, and that's mostly why I signed up for that stuff. Cause you're like, it's just something, yeah, it's something to do. And you get to, you, you do that for a little bit and then you hang out with your friends or whatever. And, but God, I remember every time doing it, like getting to like the day of, and then you look out and you're like, there's a lot of, there's more people here seeing me do this than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many people are going to remember this on Sunday morning. And they're going to say something about it because it's church. They're going to be like, hey, great job in the VBS kits. And all I'm going to think about is how I forgot to wear deodorant that day and my armpits were sweaty. <laughs> that's a real thing. Making, you're making the puppet stink. Yeah, that's real. That was, uh, was that pre-puppetry or post-puppetry? VBS uh, kits might have been pre-puppetry. God, I remember so many times doing like, being guilted into doing something because there wasn't enough people to do it, whether it was school or, or church or like anything. It was like, well, we don't have enough people for a choir. So like, well, that means I have to do it. <laughs> Thanks. Dude, I, I, I don't know, but I know I've obviously mentioned doing uh puppet ministry before, but I went to a, I went to like a conference, a puppet ministry conference like long thing for once. serious you workshop yeah. your puppet ministry yeah and there's like you know no, hold buy... your hands like this hold your hands like this <laughs> Honestly, you're moving your lips too much get <laughs> they don't see your face i'm behind the curtain yeah uh, and but it's really get working both those hand sticks is uh it kind of reminds me of like when i first started learning how to use chopsticks you're like God, this is complicated and I can't do anything right. But I feel like I feel like that's an opportunity for uh, an SNL skit for the, <laughs> like <laughs> horrible job operating the hands and stuff. I don't know. Well, in, was, like, yeah. in Sesame Street and things like that, they usually have like, I think like at least two with people, some of the right? Puppet, yeah, they'll like be two people doing it. But like, I mean, you go and you like, you look at all the booths and there's like the different songs and skits and discs, like, because it's all like, I mean, it's skits that you can do, so you could do the voices, but then some of them are on right, like, yeah. CD, and you just like pop them in, and you do the movies. Oh yeah, so you just shit. you follow along. Yeah, but God, I mean, was... it was it was a convention center full of big time fucking nerds. <laughs> was it specifically Christian puppetry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like at a <laughs> wow. church and shit. A lot of hearts on fire out there, huh? <laughs> yeah, I because we did it. Uh, we ended up putting one on. Uh, we have like. Uh, 
this big fair. I think it was, was it Sterling? Maybe it wasn't the big one, but it was like the Sterling fair or something like that, which is one of the bigger ones in my area. And we had a whole, whole booth where we did our uh, come to Jesus puppet Uh-oh. show and would try to like, you know, get six year olds to accept Christ against their parents. Will. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, uh, talking to the crowd that's attending that conference would be scary. Be like, I've got a real heart for kids. It's like, I've got a real heart on yeah. for kids. Yeah, this is kind of <laughs> that's, uh, certainly the vibe. Just do you remember, wasn't there like a couple or something that would come through that did puppet stuff? We had a few different ones. I remember there was like these two ladies that traveled together that I swear my mom used to tell me she thought were lesbians. And she like made a huge <laughs> deal about it because they would come through like every year. And she's like, well, I don't know. They just spend so much time together. <laughs> they would just that travel the like, country and like go to all these same churches every year. I think. Did they have like a look exactly or a what Christian school? People Not would really. Do. They were just kind of like old, kind of like hippie looking ladies. I feel like they did a. I feel like they came for like a vacation Bible school or something. They would come through, and uh, they always have like ventriloquism and like playing water glass circle thing. You know what I'm talking about? It makes That's like the right. ringing. I can't picture. <laughs> yeah. I can't picture what they looked like, but I do remember them. Yeah, I, I know I've brought it up before, but like the, I would love to just have like a a like a reference guide, like a coffee table book with a page for each of the weirdos that would just travel around yes. to different churches. Dude, we used to have it. Do you remember when they would send out, they would send out the like, I don't know if it was like a bulletin or whatever every year. And it had pictures of like all of our missionaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Cause there was like all the foreign missionaries. Yeah. Which, and we some like, of them were never weird, heard of these but there was more in my life. <laughs> Right. And our church is probably sending them like $30 a year, but yet they're still putting them in the, in the guide is like, well, we, uh, we support them. Oh, dude. I did some support for missionaries. Has to be a joke sometimes just to like put people's faces in. Uh, I like, I can't remember if I've mentioned this, but it would have been a while ago. But when I was pretty active in a church, when I lived in Lynchburg still, um, my wife and I kind of like acted as like a liaison with one of our missionaries um, in the church. And they was like, they were basically experiencing catastrophic flooding and needed extra money and shit like that. And we were just trying, we, we floated it by the church. Like, you know, maybe we could like try to raise a little bit of money for these people that we, you know, talk about all the time and put on all of our halls, like in several places to show how much we support their mission. And they're just like, "Mm, well, we don't really like to do love offerings because then like anyone could ask for one. I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, but isn't that the point? (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah, it was cool. That guy was a total doofus. He he was one of those. I don't want to like I'm not here to judge the way people look and live their life, but. I will for a second here because <laughs> it's like the amount that you can judge somebody for the way they look and how they act. It's like, especially how they look. It's, I feel like it's a direct proportion to how much of a fucking loser they are. Like if you're a pastor and you're shitty, you're a shitty <laughs> pastor, then it's, then we can talk about 
how you look. Otherwise, look, if you're a nice person, it should be off limits. But I will, this guy, <laughs> this guy was, he was the pastor's son. So he was like a shoe in for like the job, essentially. So he got, he got Sunday night church and that's where he touched on the controversial issues. It was like, can Christians oh. drink? Is it okay to be alone in a car together with a someone of the opposite sex? Like really edgy stuff like that. And um, so dad was a little bit country, and the son was a little bit rock and roll. That honestly, a hundred percent. Like dad was like, <laughs> listen up, church. Like big, <laughs> yeah, like big y'all guy. Like very southern bumpkin, uh, old school, like revival preacher style. Like wears a suit every week like may probably wakes up in a suit and tie and then the son is just like i mean to put it lightly he was uh obese morbidly obese like he was a very 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 large man and whatever you live your life the way like, you want and, but i start to have a, i start to have a problem with people telling you how to live your life like well it's best to uh you know you don't want to you want to avoid the periods of evil so you shouldn't really probably drink alcohol in a restaurant but maybe a beer in the privacy of your own home is good it's like bitch there's so much in the bible about gluttony and you just like pig out everywhere you go and i've seen it i've gone out yeah. to eat with you yeah. you order three entrees dude like what what did this guy done besides be the Sunday night pastor? Like, had he had any other jobs? No, he went to Liberty and it was like just on the pastor track his whole life. But he his he had a very biblical marriage, so his wife didn't say much. But it was also one of those relationships where you're like, this doesn't make sense because you're like a Western Virginia one, and <laughs> like your your wife's like very attractive like and it's just a weird thing it, it was a very strange dynamic and there was i don't know he ended up i guess he ended up getting like ousted from the church and there's a lot of controversy after i left and i'm very sad that i don't have the details on that but this guy was the worst he sucked so bad and it was funny because they did this thing where they're like adopt a college student that was one of their like real big pushes was like a way to like basically retain younger members because everyone there was over the age of 75 and right. it was so like they would have families sign up to like once a month or whatever have them over their house for dinner or take them out do something and i'm like i got this guy like my wife and i got this guy and his wife and it was like one time they invited us to that like what were those divey ass shitty mexican restaurants that were everywhere casey chi chis it was, um, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. A senorita. Know. That was a one. Each was one was a carbon copy of another. But it was there like, a lot of them. He, he invites us out to that, and we're like, all right, yeah, that sounds great. And we get there, and there's like seven tables pushed together. There's like 15 people there, and we're just like sitting at the end of the table, like, what the fuck are we doing here? This is not what we signed up for. Oh, <laughs> it was like it's just a typical like do things the worst way possible as the pastor and manage to probably pull i mean his wife didn't work and he had kids and he probably pulled a decent salary and i saw a lot of that uh in my time in church and i still have not forgiven it <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> awful 
Yeah, there's a lot of that in churches where it's like, like, why is this guy around? You know, like, and he why feels is this like guy, why are we calling this guy pastor so-and-so when he doesn't actually, like, have a church? He just kind of slides, or he just slithers his way through a bunch of small towns and somehow, like, milks money out of them. And like, well, actually, is everyone who actually has something to say to his bad sermons. It's like, well, actually, like, okay, fuck off. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we've been having some technical difficulties here. So if the, if the conversation sounds a little fragmented, it's because it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, so I just got back from vacation and back to back. Yeah. So we went to, dallas for like one night saw spirit box and after the burial which was really fun and then uh we flew out to we flew to salt lake city and then spent like a week just driving a whole bunch of national parks and stuff like that two national parks a whole bunch but covered a lot of ground and uh saw some very interesting remote places but there was uh there was this place that we drove through on our way down to like, we went from like Great Basin National Park area down to like uh, Bryce Canyon National Park and going through or driving the highways there. It's like large expanses of absolutely nothing, you know, and then like right. the first town that you come across after like, I don't know, 100 miles or something like that is this town. I think it's pronounced Piache, Piache, Nevada. And we we were driving through and I noticed that like as we were driving through, there was like lines stretched over the road with like those huge mining buckets. Like it was like a conveyor belt that went down from the mountain okay. into like a oh, old yeah, okay. school factory thing. That's wild. Like, so was it an I was operation? like, I, I got to hear what the deal is with this town. Right. So I looked up an article on it and. It's it is such a strange story for this town. So it was it was founded in like the 1860s by this guy who is a Latter Day Saints missionary because everything out there has some connection to Mormonism. Oh, of right? course. And what was it place before? Still, it was it? Go ahead, Jesse. Is this still an operation when you were driving by? Like, was stuff going over the road, or was it just hanging there? It was just hanging there. Oh, okay. It was old. Just like curious. you could you could tell it was old old gotcha. stuff. I, I think things like this are funny because like before it was a town, it was literally just vast open landscape that was undesirable to anybody without narcissistic personality disorder thinking that they could start something. <laughs> right. It's just like the the middle of the sun scorched prairie yeah. between a whole bunch of like inhospitable mountains. Like this is like, perfect. Let's a town. <laughs> Lots of people will follow Norm me here and worship Norm me perhaps. I, I have to say, I, I think it's more like nobody will find us here. I think is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one will find us here. So they it originally was like this this uh, Mormon missionary named William Hamblin, and he was led to silver deposits in that area, vicinity of Pioche by okay. uh, it was a it was like a Paiute Indian area. Basically. That's, right. That's the and other so, reason people went anywhere in the middle of the desert where they're like, I hear there's gold and silver. And you're like, 
your shiny rocks. (laughs) (laughs) So they, they, uh, there's like this financier out of San Francisco and he kind of kickstarts this mining operation there. And it's sort of in that, that like gold rush era, you know? So like all these people flood in and it says, uh, so let me, I'm going to read you some of the stuff about this. It says the town rapidly became the largest mining town in southeastern Nevada in the early 1870s. Population estimates showed 10,000 people by 1871. The town, and keep in mind, this is the middle of nowhere. Nowhere close to anything. Is it 10,000? The town quickly gained fame. How far are you from water? Like, are you buying like bodies of water? There's probably a river further down in the valley, I think, but it's not a big one i don't think not a lot of bodies of water but you get the occasional water with bodies in it (laughs) (laughs) that's actually perfect yeah (laughs) so uh it says the town quickly gained fame for its quote toughest town reputation due mostly to confusion over the exact location of mining claims mine owners finally resorted to hiring guards this is where kid rock claims to have heritage from (laughs) yeah Dude, the t- the term mine guard, if uh if you want to look that up in reference to like mining operations in the eighteen hundreds, yeah. that was a rough business. Mine guard? You're so, basically like uh you're essentially a slave owner. You're like a someone who like keeps people working, right? Yeah, you're like hired by the by the basically the slave owner to uh beat someone to death if they speak out against the horrible working conditions that you have them in. Yeah. If they try to take a break to slash open a cactus and get a sip of bitter water, they just beat (laughs) you to death with it. (laughs) Well, in this one, it's because there's all these like competing claims and nobody, nobody knows like exactly where they're mapped out. Right. So it says hired gunmen were imported at the rate of about 20 a day during boom times to fight mining claim encroachments. Mine owners often paid the gunmen a salary of $20 per day. In that sounds the like 1870s, a lot for Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a ton of money. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. A Wait, more certain it, investment for owners than settling disputes in court where bribery often determined the final outcome. The sheriff's office was reputed to be worth $40,000 a year in bribes alone. Wow. What's the year? I'm looking up the like the. I want to look up the. Hey, what's the, the infl- yeah. 1871 inflation rate or whatever? The year of our Lord 1871. Okay, guns were the only law, and Piaget made Bodie, Tombstone, and other better-known towns pale in comparison. It has been reported that 75 men were buried in the cemetery before anyone in Piaget had time to die a natural death. Wait, they <laughs> buried him alive? Is that what? You, wait, no, no, what no. <laughs> Before no one there died of like natural causes. Oh, guy. Okay, okay. That so, only by wow. murder. And I don't look. This is two thousand thirteen dollars dot com. So I'm not overly confident that, that this that is correct. To you? No, I just as the first thing that showed up when I googled how much is twenty dollars in eighteen seventy one. But according to this website, twenty dollars in eighteen seventy one is worth about five hundred dollars today. 500 bucks a day is not bad. It's not. No. I'd do some murdering for that. Uh, 40. <laughs> that, wait, 40,000, right? Is what? Yeah. What was that number for? How that many bribes came the, out of the city hall or whatever? 
Yeah, the sheriff's the sheriff's department was that's taking him forty thousand in bribes. Dude, that's about a million dollars. <laughs> bribes. So good. Jeez. I love that. What a great time in history. What a great time to be alive. <laughs> so according to one reputable source, nearly sixty percent of the homicides reported in Nevada during 19, 1871 and seventy two took place in and around Piaget. <laughs> Holy shit. Favorite example of the town's bloody character recalls the arrival of young Illinois lawyer and his bride in 1871. Stepping off the afternoon stagecoach, a flurry of shooting broke out, and before the couple could sprint into the hotel, three men were sprawled dead, still twitching in the dirt street. The bride didn't even bother to unpack, and within minutes of her arrival, hopped back aboard the stagecoach and headed home to her mother. Jeez. Yikes. Imagine so this that. is the part that I thought was really fun, though. This is like, there's so many parallels. This is like business as usual for, for government today, I feel like, in the U.S. It says, not even the building of the county courthouse was exempt from corruption. Piaget was designated the county seat in 1871, and courthouse plans were initiated. The county contracted to build the courthouse at a cost of $26,400. In order to raise the needed money, 25000 worth of bonds were sold at a discounted rate of $20,000. So it was like, make a little investment in the town, and then we'll use that to build the courthouse. By the time it was completed a year later, costs had escalated to more than $88,000 because of alterations, cost overruns, mismanagement, and kickbacks. To finance the payment of the court, <laughs> finance like, payment the courthouse, the board of commissioners <laughs> issued certificates of indebtedness at a high rate of interest. And by the 1880s, the debt had risen to $181,000. By the end wow. of the century, it exceeded more than $670,000. The final payment was made in 1937, four years after the building had been condemned. The total cost of the Lincoln County Courthouse was nearly a million dollars. How? They had to pay it off after it had been condemned still. That's when you know you fucked up big. That's yeah, hilarious. That's, that's amazing. That's some Evergrande level. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I bet there's so many towns. I mean, well, would you say they had like 60% of the homicide rate around that area for Nevada? But in I bet all in of the, Nevada. Yeah, which is wild. But I don't how many people were yeah. living in Nevada at the time. I don't know. Yeah, but I bet if you just yeah. took the Midwest in general, there's at least a dozen towns that have comp like that during that time where like where people are trying to like mine or maybe I don't know when people started like looking for oil more and setting up all the oil rigs, but that became a thing too, right? Where like everyone's like, Well, it's it, We'll just slap up oil rigs in the middle of the desert constantly and hope that we just hit. Like, I feel like just the Midwest is full of that. Like, there's no reason to be out here. It's gambling. It's gambling, but also with, like, a long history of, like, violence to go along with it. Well, the Midwest is fine. I mean, the Midwest is, like, all – it's the breadbasket of the country. It's like when you get out into the mountains, there's – dude, it's – it's amazing, like driving through, because I, I love it out there. Like I love that, just like vast, empty country, yeah, which is obvious. Look, look, like, man, we know what's going. This is obviously just like the long setup for you to be able to like murder your wife and bury her out there without anybody knowing. You're like, I've always loved it. Of course, I'm out there all the time. Of course. <laughs> 
in 30 years. That's fine. 20 years, whatever. I mean, prove it in well, court. Keep, keep an eye on your life, your life insurance policies and shit, but we'll see. Murder we'll somebody see. out there. But I know when someone close to you goes missing, your love of the desert is going to come in very handy. Check the desert. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> like, what were you doing out in the middle of nowhere for seven days in a row? You're like, I've been doing that three times a year for my entire life. So you tell me. It's like that uh, that meme that's going around right now with that Beetlejuice guy. He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, me? Nothing. Just hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't think I have either. But it's it's funny because like everybody kind of makes fun of like the great plains is like oh it's empty there's nothing there and stuff yeah like you get out there into those mountain valleys and stuff there is nothing yeah and it's like mono i mean it's nothing but sagebrush and the occasional like little tree or whatever and like no animals i mean absolutely not, not even any bugs it's wild how desolate it is in that those is places wild. but Man. uh but all the pictures like the videos and stuff you post are like it it's weird how beautiful it can be while being that desolate like yeah i see that yeah, here too it's, it's incredible nice. so i got into a like i've been into a real like hole lately uh let's like reading and listening to stuff about the donner party okay so are you guys do you know the story of the donner party I do not. No. Okay. So it's this crazy story that like fully encapsulates the the American spirit and experience, I think, in a way that like is hard to it's hard to find it elsewhere. And it takes place in the 1840s during like the push westward. And okay. uh so it's basically like there, there was this great quote. If you if you go on uh, Amazon Prime, there's a Ken Burns documentary about the Donner Party, and it's got like some great quotes missed up in there. But it was like there was one that was like Americans are like completely addicted to the chance to like the promise of more wealth and yeah, like possible gains or whatever. And so this basically there's like all these families and a lot of them are already established own land. Um, some of them successful business owners and stuff like that, that are just like, they get caught up in the idea that like California and Oregon are this promised land. I mean, it was a big push at the time. This is like James Polk was president manifest destiny was huge. And uh, so there was this huge push for people to go westward and kind of like, conquer the 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 west for god and country right and it was just like this you know the story about this town like it was just packed full of like con men and stuff so there's this one particular guy named lansford hastings and he's kind of like uh he's kind of like the gary v of his time he's sort of like a super ambitious upstart guy that has like you know these delusions of grandeur about you know, basically like colonizing California and him being the governor and all this stuff. And so like he he wanders around out there and he puts together this book called The Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California. And okay. it's basically just like a big sales pitch for like Oregon and California are like the land of milk and honey. And oh, yeah, everything's yeah, okay. great here. Uh, 
he goes out of his way to talk about how like Mexicans are lazy and we should take the land from, I mean, just, you know, par for the course type stuff. Right. <laughs> What'd you expect? He, he's someone like, who's an American establishing figure. America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's trying to get people to move out West. Right. And he's got a few other people that are kind of in on it with him, some mountain men characters and stuff like that. But so in an effort to like, get people to go to California specifically. Like what people were doing beforehand was they were taking the Oregon trail, like almost all the way to Oregon and then turning South and going into like far Northern California. Are you sure they weren't getting dysentery? They were definitely getting <laughs> dysentery. Lots of dysentery, lots of Oregon death by trail diarrhea trail. in this story. Oregon trail. But, uh, so he comes up with this thing that, that becomes known as the Hastings cutoff which is like a shortcut. And, you, you know, you should definitely go to California, and it's not even inconvenient because this Hastings cutoff is going to shave like 300 miles or something like that off of the total trip, right? But and by Lansford horse and Hastings, buggy, that's several weeks. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, that's significant. But Lansford Hastings has never actually traveled this cutoff. It's all just secondhand information and maps and whatnot. Like he's really winging it. That's incredible. So these people, the audacity. I, I to go through life with that level of confidence. That guy's never not been hard. I mean, his dick is always hard. <laughs> the confidence he has, <laughs> dude, unreal. He, to give you an example of this guy, so he he like fought under the Confederacy or something like that later on after this, and then like died trying to set up like uh, settlements in Brazil for ex-Confederates that were like fleeing the country. Wow. A real, he's, he's uh, just a lunatic. A wow. real patriot, as some might call him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, the big thing with this Hastings cutoff is that you, you turn south through like southwest Wyoming, you go down through Utah, and then you cross the great salt desert right below salt lake and right at the end of the desert is a giant and he makes you cut your dick off and that's <laughs> that's the joke you best, like, you best gotcha. bring him his beans <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's a lot of people going west there's a lot of like resources and stuff like that for people that are trying to plan their trip and stuff like that and this group of guys from Illinois and Missouri and all that stuff, they form this party that later becomes known as the Donner Party. And their goal was to use Lansford Hastings cutoff to get into Northern California. Now, like one of the most important things about taking the Oregon Trail or whatever west is like you got to leave at the right time of year because... Okay. You've only got so much time to travel, you know, 2000 miles or whatever it is to get there. And like, it has to be late enough because none of these people are just like riding horses, right? They're like, they're, they're in covered wagons, which are tough, you know, and then you're driving cattle and stuff with you because I mean, you got to show up with whatever you're going to use to start your new life. So they yeah, have not, big herds of livestock. You're not U-Haul, you're, you're traveling a caravan. <laughs> right you got to take tools you got to take food of course you got to take clothing boots and then you know all the stuff that you need to take care of these animals and stuff so like you have to leave late enough in the spring that there's grass and stuff for your livestock to eat so they don't die 
yeah. along the way, but early enough that you get there long before, you know, the blizzards start in the mountains. Cause that's the final point is like, you got to cross the Sierra Nevada mountains and the, the Donner party, the people that are make it up do not leave on time. <laughs> so they were supposed to be out of there, but like no later than the first week of May. They're like, waving goodbye like may 25th or something like that so they're like two and a half three weeks late getting onto the trail is there a reason for the why they're late or is it just like they don't do they not know that you need to leave at this time do i mean i feel like other people have done this before them right like they they should have known what's the what's the story there oh yeah they knew it was just it's just they're just tenacious ego it's yeah I mean, it's like none of those signs apply to me because, you know, we've got the gumption to make this work. And they're like, we're going to save like 300 miles or something like that and weeks on the trail okay. using the shortcut. That's it. So they're really so their whole trip is based around this shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. So they take off and they just immediately hit problems like the Kansas River is up over its banks so they can't get across and like. If you, if you know, in those situations, like you either have to build a raft to take all of your stuff across, like your wagons, cattle, everything across the river, or you've got to like caulk your wagon watertight and float it across the river. So it's an ordeal. Like it sucks no matter how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like the first problem. Then there was like other things that came I love that that's the first the problem. Like most people have been like, well, fuck it. We'll try again next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what they should have done. How far were they and, out? And I mean, there's like, plenty of time to go home. You're like, <laughs> so, we're in, we're, we have wagons pulled by horses in a river that's over flooded. I mean, what? Mm, I don't know. I, I, what'd they, so wait, what'd they do? What'd they do? So they ended up like ferrying the wagons across the river. Okay. But it's May 31st by the time they're crossing this river in like eastern Kansas. So they're behind schedule. And this is the easy part of the journey, right? This is like through the plains and stuff. Yeah, so it's flat. They get out and like they meet a couple of different people along the way at these camp stops and stuff that are like, what? what's your guys' plan here? And they're like, well, we're going to take Hastings cutoff. They meet this one guy in particular um so far this reminds me a lot of when me and my neighbor uh when we were like 12 went into my woods to dig for buried treasure and after we got three inches (laughs) into the dirt and hit a root system gave up they could have learned a valuable (laughs) lesson from that kind of gumption exactly well so they meet this guy who's like a, a mountain man and fur trader along the way when they're in wyoming i think it's in wyoming so it's still long before they get to the the turning point, right? And this guy had just taken Hastings cut off across on horse and he's like, "Don't do this. Like do not take this route. It's it's way longer than he says it's going to be. It's a the desert is like it's it's impassable in wagons with cattle and stuff. Like don't do this." And they just kind of like write the guy off. So like they're late getting into the, all these different stops and stuff. It comes finally times time for them to like make a choice. Like, okay, are we turning South or are we going to keep going West towards Oregon? And it's a group of like 90 of them decide to take the shortcut. Nice. So they get down. I like, can't wait to find out how every South. single one of them dies. 
(laughs) (laughs) So they get through Southwest Wyoming and they're in the Wasatch Mountains, like right before you get to Salt Lake. This is just east of Salt Lake. And they're supposed to go up this canyon and they get there. And there's a note from this Lansford Hastings guy. He was supposed to be there to guide them through the route down to the town to the desert, right? He's not there. And so they find this note and it's like, this, this canyon is impassable. Come find me and I'll tell you which one is a better route to go on. So they just have to like go look for this guy. (laughs) And they finally find him. It takes days to find him. They finally find the guy and he's like, Oh, I I can't go back with you, but here we'll climb to a high spot and I'll point out where you should go. Starts what started out as a simple game of hide and seek. (laughs) That's why you always leave a note. So they start up into this canyon and it's like completely choked with like brush and boulders and alder and stuff. And they like they literally have to like chop their way up this canyon. It takes them like a month to get through this canyon and like <laughs> and up over to the point where they get to like Salt Lake. So one thing that I forgot to mention, one of the reasons that the guys decided to like take the shortcut after all is there's this guy who's like one of the most famous mountain men and fur trappers and stuff named Jim Bridger. And Fort Bridger was like one of the last stops before you hit the cutoff. And Jim Bridger was like, very invested in people stopping at his place, Fort Bridger, to before they go to California. And this cutoff was like the road to his place, basically. So uh, he stood yeah. to make a lot of money if this cutoff worked. So the guys, the you know, from the Donner Party, they ask him, they're like, hey, uh, we were warned, you know, somebody told us that this isn't a good route. And he's like, oh, no, it's a level road with plenty of grass and water. It'll be a breeze. And like, it's immediately not that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So I love it. they're behind oh, schedule. Please. It takes them a month to chop their way through this canyon. And then they emerge out into like the Salt Lake Valley there, right? Right near modern Salt Lake City. Dude. And uh, there's another note from Lansford Hastings that says. It's like a scavenger days. hunt. It's like the world's shittiest <laughs> scavenger hunt. It really is. It really is. It they like get he there. could just go there and help them through it, but he's like, uh, I don't want to be around when like, the water dries up. He got here before be us. <laughs> he got here before us in time to leave a note, but <laughs> where the heck is he? So Funny. they find this note from him at the last watering hole before the desert that says two days, two nights, hard drive to water. And he had said in his book and stuff that the that the Great Salt Desert was like 40 miles across. So they start going and they keep going and they keep going because it's actually like 80 some miles across. <laughs> and so what was supposed to take them two days Right. They they gathered up grass and stockpiled as much water as they could on their wagons and stuff for the trip. It's supposed to take them two days. It takes them over six. Oh, Jesus Christ. Day and night. You're right, Jesse. This would if you turn this into a comedy series, that would be amazing. It would be so good. (laughs) It's you know, it's the guy who's leaving the notes is somebody like Christopher Walken. Just yes. Oh, yeah. You go down a little bit further. It's very like or like British humor, go. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, it is that. 
so, so good. like Simon three Pegg. days in the water's gone and you know they're splitting water with uh the cattle the cat- stuff, i mean yeah. it's not just what's that oh, i said the cattle and stuff too like all the livestock otherwise yeah, exactly. that dies there's no point <laughs> so like day three of their cattle not drinking they just like Drink apparently cows. livestock <laughs> oh man can you imagine <laughs> they just tie Ugh. tubes to the cow dicks and <laughs> just it's like Ugh. a camelback that's actually it's like it's originally it's like cowback <laughs> and then they realized camels better marketing <laughs> you just you just hook up a straw to your bull schlong and oh yeah. man that's so gross <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> Apparently, if a livestock gets thirsty enough, they just stampede. They're just like, we're going to run true? until we step in water. <laughs> yeah. So a bunch of their cattle and oxen just take off. I always like, learned from cartoons that stampedes again. were entirely the result of uh, one animal getting stung by a bee. And I'll continue to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or hyenas uh, biting at their ankles. Yeah. <laughs> so they lose a whole bunch of livestock. Several of the families, I mean, they lose their oxen. They just have to leave their wagons behind, take as much stuff as they can carry and continue on foot. And they got little kids. I mean, they're they're literally like the mothers of these stories. It's wild, man. They They literally made like, half this trip carrying their children is just unbelievable. And what are the dads doing? Just not asking for directions. <laughs> just carrying a bag full of bolts. <laughs> just the ones <laughs> they've picked up along the way in case they come in handy later. <laughs> yeah. Be like the guy I'll hold the food. <laughs> I'll take the hard tack pack. It's like, where'd the so, bag of Doritos go? And he's standing there with orange fingers, like, what Doritos? <laughs> I had to shed weight. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the other side of the desert. They are destroyed. I mean, they were destroyed after hacking their way through that canyon. They're wrecked now. How many people they left get to like the Humboldt River? Do you, do you remember like how many people left and how many people made it there? So only a couple had died at this point. One old lady okay. died of old age. Somebody else died of some illness, I think, but like not many people have died yet. Right. But things are about to get real quick. That's crazy. Cause if I was in that situation, I would have killed myself after like day. I know. Two. I was just going to say, I'd be one of the first ones to go and it'd be on purpose. Dude, it's the, the amount of like indescribable misery in this yeah. story. Oh, it's it's built for that kind of suffering. And we're not even to the bad stuff. I'm a yet. white man for God's sake. I am not built for suffering like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they will breeze through like some of this here, but they reach the river. They kind of try to recuperate as much as possible and keep going because now it's they're It's not, they're way behind and they know it They're It's a race, right? Because you got to get over those mountains before the snow falls. So they get to like their last stop. Um, I forget what it's called. Anyways, last they reach their like Oregon. last stop, <laughs> Truckee River, I think is where it's at, before they go up into the mountains. And they take like three days to recuperate, fix the wagons that they still have left. And like they wake up one morning, it's like mid-October, 
Oh, uh, Paiute Indians showed up in the middle of the night and killed like 21 of their oxen. <laughs> just like, just they apparently said that's, that like, that's the uh, like, real eight, fuck you. Like, yeah. ah, that's that's the, what you get. <laughs> that's the 1800s equivalent of slashing tires. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, it was. They shot them with poison darts, apparently. And then, oh, there was one of the things I was listening to, they were saying that like, they were walking through this canyon and they could hear like the Paiutes up in the like up on the edges of the canyons laughing at them. <laughs> like, that's just, like dying. They're like, that's what you get for calling us Indians. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's just one thing after another. But they take these few days to recuperate and stuff. And then they wake up one morning. They're on the backside, the east side of the Sierra Nevada. And they look up and they're white and they're like, Oh no! So they just like pack all their stuff up and and take off trying to get up the mountain and over because you gotta get. I mean, it's not like you take this little windy road through the mountains, you know, and gain a little bit of elevation. Like you're going over the summits. It's like ten thousand feet or something. Like yeah. That. Oh my god. So they start up and after this thing, and uh, they get like clear up top and can't make. They can't make it. Like the snow is got it's it's snowing like crazy. It's deep. They got these two Indian guides that are like helping them out, you know, throughout this thing. And these guys are like, dude, these two Indian guides should be like they should be on like the one dollar bill or something like that because they they stuck with these people <laughs> way longer than they should. Yeah, and they uh they can't find the road because there's so much snow and the mules and stuff like that are all slipping and falling. Like they're they're saying that like they would lose their footing and just fall face first into the drift and then like have to paw their way out. Is this before the shortcut still, or is this, this shortcut? This oh, is part this is, this the, is the last wing of the shortcut. Okay. I couldn't remember where we were. So imagine how still, miserable that is though. You don't have any type of like real snow gear. You're just like flopping around. Snow's getting in your, whatever form of gloves or shoes you have constantly. Like that's miserable. Oh Yeah. Well, and they can't, they don't make it. So like they can't make it over the summit. And so they just, they're like, we got to, we got to recuperate. We got to wait for the storm, the weather to break or whatever. This is like mid October, right? It was an early blizzard. And so they retreat back down the mountain a little ways um, and camp out at a couple of different spots. And this happens to be the worst winter in recorded history for that area. They got 68 <laughs> feet of snow that. Oh, crap. Holy shit. <laughs> oh. And like, 68 feet of how? snow. Dude, like, they, they like so literally much. just, like, lose all their animals. They're out of food. They're out of food by the time they get up there. Oh, for you know, sure. all they've they got is, like, their, their emaciated all their cattle. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No pets live through this. But, so... Like, long story short, these people end up having to spend the entire winter on the side of this mountain. Jeez. And there was like 80-some, 90 of them that started out from the the cutoff, the, the beginning point of the cutoff. Like, 46 of them die. I hope the story and... ends with them killing their leader. <laughs> like the guy who's <laughs> leaving the notes. <laughs> well... So it's a mix, but like all the Donners, all the Donners except one young girl die. They end up like the 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 reason that the story's famous 
on top of everything else is that the survivors, most of them had to eat the dead in uh, order to live. Yep. Gross. So they cannibalized their family members and stuff like that to make it through the winter. And dude, it is, it is the craziest story ever. I mean, I just kind of got like obsessed with it because it's so nuts. Every point in the story is so nuts and so unimaginable and how right. like, miserable it was. Like even trying, like they, they sent out some relief parties, like the one of them that's famous. They, it was a group that went out to try to like get help and make it over the mountain. They went out on homemade snowshoes. They called themselves the Forlorn Hope. Wasn't everything and... homemade back then, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but uh, they they were talking about like snow blindness. Like I've never I've I've heard that word before, but I didn't really know what yeah, it was. That's like when the sun shines on the snow and you actually go blind from it, right? From the light reflecting. Yeah. It's insane. Well, it like damages constant, your eyes. Constant exposure you, to it. Yeah, like you have to t- it it takes a couple days to recuperate from, you know, and then you can, you know, you regain your vision and stuff like that. But like, you know, a pair of polarized sunglasses and you're you're fine. You don't have to worry about that problem at all. But yeah, like these people the start up the post. summit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trade some beaver pelts or something. But they like the relief party starts up the summit and they get like up close to where they're trying to go. And they're I mean, they're literally like blind up there. Yeah. I mean, it's just That's like wild. one thing after another. I, it's hard to. It's truly incredible that any despite obviously you could go on and on and on about all the horrific shit people did to each other in the name of discovery. But the fact that like you're talking like women and children on this trip. And up until they all died in the mountains or whatever, you're like, it's like, they just kept going. Like I, it it doesn't make sense to me that there weren't people who were like, all right, we're going to go home now. This is obviously is a bad idea. I, it, it baffles me that you would take your kids through that, that you wouldn't call it quits that you would. At what point do you not just say like, okay, go go ahead. No, 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 you go. I was going to say, you wouldn't say, like, let's go back to whatever the last town was that we saw. Right. Whether it was Anything. 500 miles or, you know, whatever. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's For what? I think in that's the name what... of, like, riches that you'll probably never see. Like, in the name of shortcut. Of these... Yeah. Did none <laughs> of these people think, like, whatever was promised to us at the other end of this is something we'll never experience because we're all going to die? I, th- I think, yeah. Like, I don't understand... I'm sure there's reasons why they stayed up on the mountain. I think it might be as simple as like, they just couldn't get back down. That's true. Like it could be, I mean, you think about it, there's, there's six feet of snow on the ground. Right. Right. You can't lead your, like your livestock are your only lifeline at this point. But before that, you cannot leave them out of there. You know, like remember the river (laughs) that we first talked (laughs) about, like that's big strike one, but like, even getting to those, like that first second problem, the first second problem. I don't know if anyone would normally refer to a second problem as the first, but uh, I just can't imagine you going like, yeah, you know, so far this trip has been bad and it's clearly not going to get better. I think that's, that's one of the crazy things that's when you really, when you try to like put yourself in the, in the people's shoes 
you think about like, you know, you get to that point, you've ignored a lot of warning signs. Yeah. And now your family's going to die on this mountain because you decided to keep going. And like, it's clear from like their writings and stuff that like they were grappling with that. Like I, I've, I've doomed my family to like this horrible death. Oh yeah. my God. That's so dark. It's top. Yeah. And not all of them died, but like nobody made it through unscathed. I mean, it, it like the, the psychological damage and stuff, even for the ones that survived was just oh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Nobody had a healthy relationship after that. <laughs> there is a, so while we were on this trip, we like went to a couple of different spots that were like, you know, part of that story. Like we went, we drove across the salt desert, which is just, makes it even more unimaginable that they cross that on wagons. But there was a, uh, in Salt Lake, there's like this big Mormon pioneer history center thing. And, uh, so we went there and they had a thing on their deal about the Donner party and stuff. But there was a story that I learned about in there that takes place like eight years after the Donner party. And, so Brigham Young and, you know, after Joseph Smith gets assassinated, Brigham Young kind of like the the guy in charge, and he decides that Salt Lake City is where they're going, you know? And so they forge their way out there and stuff, and in true Mormon fashion, they kind of start like, like they put together a fund to finance more Mormon pilgrims to come across and make the trip to to Salt Lake, right? And so they're doing it in covered wagons a lot like, you know, the Donners or whoever else. But wagons are expensive and they're slow. And there was like a couple of years of bad harvest. So they just didn't have the funds to really finance a bunch of these wagon trips. So Brigham Young says, what if we just had these people pull carts? Like a rickshaw? <laughs> yes like a rickshaw <laughs> like like a giant backwards wheelbarrow with 600 pounds of stuff on it <laughs> and they did oh my God. that's unbelievable like, it was it's an amazing amount of organization Dude, I, I have a lot like i gotta say i have a lot of respect for the mormons when you see like what they built in such a hostile place because that is not like the you know the fruited plane out there where they decided to settle right isn't that the case with a lot of people who have like delusional understandings about their position before the almighty god you're like 100 percent. it's like how it always goes they're like no no we can um we can beat all odds and it's just like i i want to hear more stories of the people who didn't like what are the religions that tried to get started but didn't make it simply because they didn't beat the odds in that first battle well, like a thousand people were dead in Guinea, in uh, Guinea or Guinea or whatever, because of uh, Jonestown. That one didn't work out. No, nope, that one didn't. And now, and that's why we don't have a religion based off of that. So there's, it's it's interesting contrasting the story of these two wagon parties with the Donners because, like, we so see they where start, God I, comes in. I get it. No, now you're like we we see. The Mormon God is Dude, real. 3,000 people made their way to Salt Lake City pulling carts. That's nuts. That's ridiculous. That is That's, nuts. It's like, it's like 1,200 miles that they walked pulling carts to get to Salt Lake City by hand. 
through the miserable heat in the summertime and stuff like that. But, you like, know, the Donners, I, I recently, like, as everyone knows, was at Disney and that was really hard. Just walking through the parks. <laughs> That's a good comparison, with a, Sam. With a stroller and a couple of backpacks. <laughs> that shit's challenging. So sometimes we go on a See? hike and we put our dog in a backpack. It's unbelievable. How do you how do people do this? Yeah. <laughs> no, if you could just talk to Brigham Young now, you'd be like, Ben there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a lot in common. <laughs> you uh, and Brigham, for sure. God. The lion of the Lord and I don't know. What are you like the, the, the ocelot? Yeah, sure. The prairie dog. <laughs> I did see prairie so, dogs at uh, Animal Kingdom, and they were cute. How how many people do you think were getting pulled in carts by other people? <laughs> well, sir, there were certainly some old people and some children that got pulled. But so like the Donners, you know, like their part of their mistake was leaving way too late. Right. They left in like you know, late May to start the trip. And they were starting from Independence, Missouri. The The Mormons in this story were starting from like uh, Omaha, Nebraska. So it's a little closer, but not a lot. But there's two wagon parties, two of these pull, pull cart parties that, that got stuck in much the same way as the Donners. They take a different trail to get to Salt Lake, but um, these guys are like, it's August, and they're contemplating whether or not to go, right? And so they have a meeting with these church elders. Like It'll all be over by the time they get to the mountains. <laughs> they go, uh, you know, so-and-so, one of the elders says that we should spend the winter here in Nebraska and then go next year. And all of the other church elders say, God's going to protect you guys. You should go. So these two cart parties, <laughs> it's like 900 that. people, start pulling their carts across Colorado and stuff, and they get stuck in a blizzard. And 200 of them die. That because the guys in the church were like, God will protect you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 200 out of 900? Yeah. Honestly, it should have been better more. Odds, so I, guess, I think God really pulled through uh, on that one. <laughs> Dude, it... it <laughs> It's funny because like you're reading about this stuff and like there's only I haven't done as much reading on this one, but like everything that I've found is basically a Mormon source and none of the Mormon sources mention, you know, eating your grandma. Yeah. Slightly but I imagine reliable. that if there's. Yeah. Yeah. If there's 900 people out there starving to death, I'm guessing that they probably did the same thing that humans have done in that situation since the beginning of time. It's the only time a Mormon's had an excuse to eat ass. <laughs> <laughs> that is a valid point. Count your blessings. Yeah. And God protected them. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it would suck to be a pioneer. Um, yeah. That's I don't want to do it. The worst time in, in American history, for sure. I would have... By and large, I would have been one of the 200 dead or on any pioneer journey. I would have been one of the ones who died. Absolutely. I'm dead at the river at the beginning. I drowned myself. Back to basics. <laughs> basketball camp was difficult for me in 12th grade. So it'd be like day five. And I'm like, 
I have a headache and there's no hostess donuts here. <laughs> like I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that was uplifting. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Good story. a happy one. Well, fellas, that was fun. It's been nice that fellowshipping. Was. Basically a history. It professor. was. I feel <laughs> like uh, <laughs> it's been a, I'm a history professor. professor. With uh, our vacations and everything, we haven't really sat and we haven't podcasted together in weeks. It feels good again. Feels good to be back. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Very good it time. Very well, much. thanks for joining us, Jesse. Yeah, Appreciate thanks for it. having me. Always a pleasure. And uh, for all of you listening, if you like the show, leave it a rating wherever you listen to it. iTunes, Spotify, whatever. And uh, join our Discord. You can find a link to that on our social media pages, a link tree, join up, gotten some new people lately. Uh, you should join. It's fun. And that being said, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.